0: Pentecost has never really caught on in our culture. Uh, you, uh, you're not gonna get any extra days off for the Pentecost holidays this year. Uh, your family's not gonna ask you to travel home for the big Pentecost family dinner when everybody gathers together for Pentecost dinner. You are not expected to max out your credit cards buying Pentecost presents for your, your family and friends. you this spring, when it comes, you're, you're probably not even gonna get a, a card that says Happy Pentecost. Or is it Merry Pentecost? See, we don't, we don't even know what the greeting is for Pentecost. It just, it just gets so underused. Seems to me that if the church is interested in a holiday that's completely unencumbered by any secularity, Our culture has said to the church, when it comes to Pentecost, (laughs) you can have it. Question is, do we really truly want it? Because this second chapter of Acts reveals what happens when the spirit grabs hold of the church. This is not a controlled situation. Holy confusion is all over the place. Last week when we left our disciples in chapter one of Acts, they had retired to the upper room where they devoted themselves to prayer. As they were told to wait, they go to the upper room and they devoted themselves to prayer along with certain women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers, all devoted to prayer. Apparently they got tired of praying because eventually they got up off their knees they gathered together all the other believers that they had by this time We're told there was 120 and they hold a congregational meeting. This I think is the beginning of the true Protestant tradition. <laughs> no more prayer, time to have a meeting. <laughs> Peter is the one who is speaking, of course. Of course it would be Peter. And Peter says, look, we've always been the 12. Then there was that unfortunate thing with Judas, and so now we're the 11. But we can't be the 11. <laughs> we've got a vacant office that has to be filled. So, decently, with order, they go about an election. They get two candidates for the possibility They cast lots, the ancient form of election. And the last verse of chapter one says, the lot fell on Matthias and he was added to the 11 apostles and was never heard of again. (laughs) It's not really about maintaining the way it used to be. About the time the clerk writes Matthias' name in the Book of Disciples, suddenly there is a sound, the rush of a violent wind, we are told. This wind pushes the disciples out of the upper room, out into the world that has been waiting for some good news. The fire is all over the place, it's on top of their heads. They start speaking languages, that they didn't know five minutes ago. All in the power of the Holy Spirit. Only the Spirit could accomplish such extraordinary, extraordinary gifts. Struck, as you read on through the text, we're told that people were perplexed and amazed by what these disciples were able to do in the power of the Spirit, but some, Some sneered, said they are filled with new wine. I love Peter's response to this complaint. You'll notice that he, after he gets everybody calmed down and he takes control and he starts speaking, Peter does not say, what are you talking about? We're we're spiritual people, we don't drink wine. What he says is, well, it's it's nine o'clock in the morning. It's it's a little early. And then, and then after saying that, you read this, it's right here, I'm not, uh. <laughs> Then Peter starts doing some preaching. And it's a pretty good sermon. Uh, um, he has a text, he uses the prophecy of Joel. He demonstrates how Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. He's got an illustration with King David for what it means to be the Messiah, which like many sermon illustrations, muddles the point just a little bit that he's trying to make. Um, but he ends strong, he sticks the, 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 the ending. He, he says, God has made this Jesus, Lord and Messiah, this one who you crucified. Now, it, it, it's an okay sermon. Um, but the fascinating thing is at the end of it we're told 3,000 people applied for baptism at the end of this pretty good sermon. 3,000 converts. These are Billy Graham kind of numbers. How how, how, how does this sermon get 3,000 converts into the church? They've just gone from 12 to 120 to 3,000 at the end of this sermon. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can do this. It's really never about the sermon. It's about what the Spirit chooses to do through your preaching. You never know what the Spirit will choose to do in the pews every time you climb up into a pulpit. You're not in control. The best you can do is try to weave the sermon together. All of my sermons, like Peter's, are pretty good. But whatever everything, any time something happens, it's because of the Spirit. You talk to any veteran, pastor, preacher, they'll tell you that every time that they've stood at the door, there's someone has come along and said, thank you for saying something that they did not say. It's the Holy Spirit. I once stood at the door and a woman came through with her, her eyes welling up with tears and she said, when you brought up that point about forgiveness, I, I realized that uh, I, I have been harboring a small offense against my husband. It was a really little thing, but it's become a deeper and deeper wedge. I'm hurting our marriage because I won't forgive him, even though he keeps asking me. I have got to deal with this. I'm going home right now to take care of this. Thank you so much. It was a stewardship sermon I had just given, <laughs> <laughs> I was, was, was a mile away from forgiveness. <laughs> That's what she needed to hear. <laughs> the spirit knew it, she knew it. That's, that's what she heard. <laughs> the summer when I was in Korea, one of the churches where I preached has a tradition that any time the preacher walks up to the pulpit, he or she takes off their shoes before going into the pulpit because they expect you to be standing on holy ground when you proclaim the word, not because of your power, not because of how carefully you've carved the sentences, because you don't know what the Holy Spirit is going to do in the course of your proclamation. 3,000 converts are brought to the church. Now what do you think happened the next Sunday when 3,000 new members showed up for worship? Again, we've, we've gone from 12 to 120 to all of a sudden, after one sermon, 3,000. I can tell you what happened when they all came to worship. Somebody said, well, there goes all the parking. <laughs> Somebody said, he's sitting in my pew. Someone said, this wasn't even in the strategic plan. How can we be doing this? Or I know they're all going to want small groups, and then they're going to all want the upper room at the same time. That's our (laughs) upper room. How can we give it to them? And do you think all 3,000 of these new converts were sweet and pleasant people? (laughs) What are the odds? 3,000? Some of them had to have been jerks. It's just that now they're Christian jerks and we're expected to love them. Right. So within, within days, the church has already become a mess. You've got wind blowing people all around, fire all around, who knows where that comes from, and how do you control that? You've, you've got people from different nationalities all in the same church, the text says Arabs and Jews, Both are brought into the church right from the get-go. First day, the church is born. Romans and Egyptians, people from Mesopotamia, they're all in the church now. You've got people who are difficult and people who are wonderful. You've got young people and adults and senior citizens who are going to need care, and some of them are going to be poor. We really have to do a good job of taking care of them. We don't even know them, but we've got to love them and take care of them. We have people who are enemies who find themselves both standing next to each other in baptism. We've got sinners and the Blessed Virgin Mary all in the same church. What, what do you call holy confusion like this? You call it the Spirit-filled Church. That's what you call it. Holy confusion has always been the way that the church has found its life. And the alternatives to life are not good. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.